I'm Jack Semlicka and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. Today's program, Lessons Learned, Creating a Lasting Precision Business Legacy, is once again being brought to you by Farmer's Edge. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's an app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll make every effort to get it listed here as well. And by subscribing, you'll be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released, and also the opportunity to go back and check out some episodes from our 2016 series. I also encourage you to check out the brand new podcast series launched by our sister publication, Farm Equipment, with its first episode, Comp Programs to Move Used Equipment, Dealers Trade Business Practices. The program features three top-level farm equipment dealers as they share their expertise for what works best to get the behaviors that dealers want and need from their salespeople relative to used equipment inventories. Visit www.farmequipment.com to check out the new series. And thanks again to Farmer's Edge, proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at FarmersEdgeUSA.com slash become a representative or call them at 952-582-1398. Well, U.S. General George Patton's famous quote, a good plan implemented today is better than a perfect plan implemented tomorrow, is sound advice for any farm equipment dealer. But even more important than implementing a plan is simply having one. Far too often, ownership and management get bogged down in the daily minutia of running a dealership, neglecting critical decisions about transition, priorities, and legacy says Arlen Sorensen, CEO and founder of HTS Ag, an independent precision farming company based in Harlan, Iowa. But taking time to develop and execute a strategic business plan will put dealers on a pathway toward growth and avoid being stuck in neutral. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast brought to you by Farmer's Edge, Sorensen, a self-described serial entrepreneur, shares his experienced approach to working on the business and not just in it, making the most of your hours in a week and the value of taking the occasional idea mulligan. My goal would be for you to take home one or two things that uh, you can really put to work in your organization. I wanna talk about growth. Growth's a very broad subject with the variety and diversity of companies in this room, you're all at different stages along that journey. But uh, I'll share some things that I've learned in my many years of working in technology. At the end of the day, I'm really just a simple Iowa farm boy. I come from Shelby County, Iowa. This is our family farming operation. It's where I started out back in 1977 after graduating from Iowa State. 
1982, I fell in love with an Apple II computer, and it changed my life forever. Started a technology business and have been doing things around technology ever since. Today, it's myself, my brother, my nephew, and my son that are all right there together. We farm 2,900 acres of corn and soybeans in western Iowa, and that's one of the, one of the parts of our enterprise. What gets me up in the morning is four grandkids. If you don't have grandkids yet, hang on. It's worth it. Kids, you just tolerate them to get to the grandkids. But it gets really good when you get to grandkids stage, so don't give up on that. But I love spending time with them and uh, seeing their excitement. Been married to my bride for 39 years, and uh, she's been part of this journey all along. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started have started a number of companies. These are companies that actually have been successful. I've had a few that haven't been. But as Jack said, I started in the IT space. HTS was, was our IT company. I ran that for 27 years and sold it back in 2012. Uh, HTS Ag is our precision ag company that I started back in 1995. HTG is our peer group organization. And I'll talk a little bit more about that on the next slide. And then we have a, a digital media company called SkyMill that does all kinds of things digital in terms of video and production and things like that. Our HTS Ag's got three key practice areas. So we do all types of precision technology. Anything GPS related, we pretty much are, are involved. We do grain monitoring and management, and we do seed. And that's really the three practice areas of the, the precision ag business that we have. Adam Gittins is our general manager. He runs that business. It's been a, a lot of fun being a part of that as it's grown. My classroom really, when I think about growth, comes from the peer group organization that we run, HTG. Today we work with over 500 companies across 70 different peer groups around the world. And we have a team of about 25 people that spend their time studying and understanding how companies grow and then helping them to do that. So that's going to be where a lot of my experience is going to come from, along with all the stupid mistakes I've made myself personally in growing companies. But we get to see lots of people. We benchmark all these companies. We know what good looks like. We know what makes companies succeed. And I want to share that with you today and hope that you'll find some things that will help you. Growth is a challenge. There is a problem related to growth, but it's not your customers, it's not your vendors. The real challenge with growth is leadership. And quite honestly, leadership that doesn't develop people to enable you to grow. So if I was gonna pick one thing we learned from observing all these different companies, for a number of years, this is it. We have to learn how to lead and grow people if we want to grow. But there's some other things we're going to talk about that impact growth. Actually, 12 different things I'll share with you today that we've seen that really make a difference in growing. But at the end of the day, it's about people, okay? The data says it's hard to grow. U.S. government statistics say Less than 4% of companies ever achieve a million dollars in revenue annually. That's a pretty small percent that ever get to a million dollars. 
My guess is everybody in this room has gone well past that. They say that less than four-tenths of a percent of companies ever get to $10 million in revenue annually. So it's starting to get narrow in a hurry. But less than one one-thousandth of a percent of U.S. companies ever get to $50 million in revenue. Growth is hard work, and it's not a simple task. They also say that less than 6% of businesses ever go past 10 employees. Okay, the people thing's starting to bubble up here. People are where the challenge is. And 96% of businesses don't get to their 10th year anniversary. So even if you successfully grow, sustaining is another challenge. In fact, 82% of all businesses fail in the first 18 months. Those are some staggering numbers. And we can sit here and say, well, the odds are kind of stacked against us. This is not a simple process, this whole idea of growth. But it can be done. And that's what I want to talk about today. People want this green line. They want a straight line up and to the right. No challenges, no problems, just go. I am yet to see that happen. There are a few people that just want to stay status quo. They've built what they want, they just want to keep it there. I've never seen that happen either. The reality of growth looks more like this. You take a step forward, you hit a plateau. You gotta figure out how to break through that plateau and go to the next level. And along the way, you might actually have some issues and fall back a bit. This is what growth really looks like in the real world today. Anybody here ever hit plateaus in their business growth? Eh, a few brave souls raising their hand. The rest of you are lying to me. This is just part of the way it works. We don't get to continually go on a straight line. So what are the causes of these plateaus? What causes us to stop along that journey? We've identified 12 key areas that seem to be indicators or part of company growth. And I wanna walk through them with you today, challenge you to think about them. Don't go home thinking you're gonna do all 12, because there's only one of these that's the next step for you. Figure out what that one is and then go do it. First thing that we find that really limits people is that they've gotta figure out what they wanna be when they grow up. We find four different kinds of companies that uh, make up businesses today. The first one we call indentured servitude. These are the folks that live to work. Their life revolves around work. They get up in the morning and they go to work. They spend all day there, probably part of the evening. They're there on weekends and holidays. They live to work. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying your job. But that company mindset is not ever gonna grow because it's all about the individual's desire to really be involved in their business. I talked to a uh, business owner a few weeks ago. He called me up, said, hey, in the last eight weeks, I've averaged over 95 hours a week working on my business. What do you think of that? I said, well, if you don't quit doing it, you're gonna die. But you're certainly not building a business that anybody else is gonna to wanna to buy. 
we have to learn that while work can be enjoyable, it cannot consume us. And it's certainly not how we're going to grow. So if you're running a, a company like this, you're not going to be one of those statistics that's going to get to 10 employees and ever grow to $10 million. The sad part of this is that by doing this, you're assuring yourself that you're not going to create value in your company. People don't buy jobs. People buy companies that have value. I got a call from a small business owner down in South Carolina, and I, I'll change names of people here to protect the guilty, but Roger called me and said, hey, I've been trying to sell my business. He was in a panic. He said, I've been doing this 23 years. I called some brokers. I'm trying to get them to sell my company. They won't do it. I said, what's the problem? Well, they say it's not worth anything. Send me up your financials. I'll take a look at them. I'll give you my opinion on what you've got. And I had to call him back and say, you know, they're right. It's at least not worth anything in comparison to what you think it should be or you want it to be. And he said, you don't understand. I've been telling my wife for 23 years that I'm doing this for you. I've sacrificed birthdays and anniversaries and ball games and church programs and all this stuff, but I was doing it for you. Only now, I'm going to stop doing it, but there's no pot at the end of the rainbow. We aren't going to be able to retire. I'm going to have to get another job. And you can't fix that in a short period of time at the end of that life cycle. Roger was an indentured servant to his business. He loved what he did more than he loved his family in a lot of cases. But that's not how you grow, okay? Second kind of business is the lifestyle company. These folks work to live. The first ones live to work. Lifestyle organizations work to live. Their priorities are very different. They can make good money doing this because they are very selective about the kind of customers they serve, the services they'll provide, because they have a very defined way they want to do that, to not intervene with their life. This kind of business also has an issue in that it doesn't really have any value at the end. Nobody can really step into that lifestyle. But I know a guy that's been running a business like this down in Texas named Robert. He grew his company to 25 people and shrank it back to 13. He's making very good money, and he's saving that money year after year after year, creating value on the way through, through savings, because he knows at the end he's not going to be able to sell it because nobody else can step into those relationships. So a lifestyle business is not a bad business. You just have to save money on the way through. People think about growth as the kind of company they want to run. And a growth company is a good company to run. It's a lot of work because you've got people involved. But done right, that's a company that will have significant value in the future. And then there are a few that want to be hyper-growth companies. Those hockey stick kind of companies, they sacrifice in the short term because they believe they're going to get this big payout at some predefined time that they're working toward. We see this all the time in, in companies 
in the technology space that in a five to 10 year window, they want to grow significantly and cash out. And for that period of time, they're willing to sacrifice all kinds of stuff. But there's an end. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they miss. But those are the four kinds of companies that I see making up the majority of businesses in the US today. The key is you gotta figure out what you wanna be, because you can't hop around. And that's what a lot of companies do. When I ask a question to an audience like this, most people say, I wanna be a growth company, because that seems like the right answer. But when I look at what they do, a lot of times they fall back into the lifestyle bucket, or they might make some crazy decision in the hypergrowth bucket, and their employees are saying, what are we doing? Last week we had a meeting and we talked about this, and this week now it's all different. We gotta figure out what we wanna be when we grow up. We've gotta set our course around that and go there, okay? I know you can't read this, this is in the deck. If you want the deck, this is just a list of characteristics of these four kinds of companies that we've observed over the years. And you can kind of figure out where you fit in there. But figure out what kind of company you want to be. That's the first step to growth. Second, once you know what you want to be, you got to create a plan. Planning is the foundational skill if you want to grow. It doesn't happen accidentally. And we talk about four plans in what we do with small businesses and medium-sized businesses. It starts with legacy. What are you trying to accomplish? There's two types of legacy. There's a business legacy. What are you trying to do with your company? And there's a personal legacy. What are you trying to do with your life? Stephen Covey says you gotta begin with the end in mind. And that's extremely true about planning. If we can't see where we want to go, we're certainly not going to ever get there. We've got to be able to have that vision, that roadmap, because we're going to take people with us, and they've got to understand where it is we're going. So legacy is a foundational part of the planning process. A lot of companies don't do this, and they struggle to grow because people don't understand where we're going. Once we know what the end game is, we can figure out how we're gonna lead and how we're gonna live, because that's where we're gonna spend our time. But we need to have plans for both of those areas. We need to know what life is gonna look like and what our leadership is gonna look like. And once we know that, we can build a business plan, because we'll have the parameters for how we're gonna work. We'll get back to the program shortly, but I did want to take a moment and again thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for making this program possible. Farmer's Edge is proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow the opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at FarmersEdgeUSA.com slash become a representative or call them at 952-582-1398. 
Reflecting on Sorensen's comments so far, he shared some interesting statistics regarding business growth and noted that less than 4% of all companies ever reach $1 million in annual revenue, and less than 1% ever earn $10 million in annual sales. He also noted that less than 6% of businesses ever go past 10 employees, and 96% of businesses don't even ever get to their 10th anniversary. So even if dealers successfully grow their business, sustaining it is another challenge. Sorensen noted that owners and management want consistent growth, but the reality is it will be staggered with dips, peaks, and plateaus. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Arlen Sorensen on the significance of the number 168 and why it can be a great equalizer when it comes to business planning. key to planning is to write it down. If you don't write it down, you didn't create a plan. You had a hope and a dream, which means nothing. This number is a critical thing to remember. 168, it's the number of hours in your week. That's one thing that's equal in this room. Everybody sitting at that table has got 168 hours. Just like Warren Buffett, just like Bill Gates, just like Tim Cook or anybody else. This is the great equalizer, 168. What makes a difference is what we plan to do with them. That's why planning is so critical if you really want to grow. And whether you want to grow personally or as an organization, you have to plan so you use the time effectively. Because you're not going to get any more. Everybody gets the same amount. The difference is what we do with it. While we're planning, there's some tough questions we need to ask ourselves, and we need to get answered. Because if we can answer these questions, the people around us can understand what it is we're trying to accomplish. We can use this to measure people with. We can use this to evaluate our progress. Planning is critical. There are a number of good systems out there to help you plan. We personally like a system called Stratop, but we also work with EOS, with Gazelles. There's a number of good planning systems. Most growth companies need to invest in a planning system. You need the structure and the accountability of having a tool that will keep you on course. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a plan disruptor for our team. And, uh, a few years ago, we had to have a little heart-to-heart -heart about my ideas. My MO would be to go to a meeting like this, make a long list of things that I thought we should at least think about, come back to the management team, throw it out there in the middle of the table and say, what do you think of all these great ideas? And they would spend the next week trying to decipher what it was I was thinking about and figure out how they could potentially do them. Little did they know, all I was doing was throwing ideas out there. I was just being the entrepreneur, seeding the grass to see if anything grew. But it totally disrupted our team. They said, how are we gonna do a plan if you keep walking in here and putting all these ideas on the table all the time? You just totally confuse us. So we had to come to an agreement that we call mulligans in our organization now. 
Each year we write our plan. We write those four plans, actually, as an organization and then as individuals. And then I get three mulligans a year, which are three ideas or three things that are not part of the business plan that I think we should think about. Only three. There were years where I probably seeded 300. It has totally changed the way we work together as an organization because I'm very careful about what I say. I'm very careful to make sure it really aligns. But the plan drives what we do. And that's what we have to get to if we're gonna grow. Plans don't prevent us from doing good things. Plans enable us to do good things. So planning is a critical part of being able to grow. Patton said a good plan implemented today is better than a perfect plan implemented tomorrow. The number one reason I hear from people as to why they don't plan, well, I don't really know what's gonna happen, so how can I plan? Well, that's how you figure out what's gonna happen. That's how you make what's gonna happen happen, is by having a plan. Next key to growth, you gotta work on your business, not just in it. This is a, an area that I see a lot of leaders struggle with. They get stuck in the chaos of the day, and they spend little to no time actually working on the business. There's three key rules that we have to fill within an organization. There's an ownership role, there's a leadership role, and there's a management role. A lot of you have to wear all three of those hats. And unfortunately, the management hat wins almost all the time because that's where the chaos happens. That's where all the people are. As an owner, you got to spend time figuring out how to drive shareholder value, how you create value in your company. you got to spend some time on that. It doesn't happen accidentally. Leaders have to look into the future and bring the future into the present so you can start to plan for it. Somebody's got to be thinking about what we're going to do next. How are we going to address the change in technology that's ha happening around us? How are we going to address the change in generations that is going to totally revolutionize how marketing and buying happens out there? Somebody's got to be thinking about that. And then we have to manage. We've got to take care of the resources we've got invested to make sure they're generating the highest return possible. But we can't spend all our time there because these other two things are critical. And we call it Habu. I'd encourage you to write these four letters down and think about them. Habu stands for highest and best use. Highest and best use. You need to think about where you're gonna invest your 168 hours to have the highest and best use. That's really your job. And it may not be where you think. Because our most important haboos, they're outside the business. It's our spouse, it's our kids, it's our parents, it's our friends. That's highest and best use. Who can replace you? Well, you can be replaced. I shouldn't say who could replace you as spouse. That happens. That's not really the way you want it to go, though. It's what happens when you don't do this. We've got to be intentional and use some of our 168 hours on this. Because the only way we can stop regrets is to prevent them by living intentionally today. I get the privilege at times to spend time with people 
toward the end of their life. You know, in all of my interactions, I have never had one person say, I wish I would have worked more hours, or I wish that I would have went and saw that one other customer or made another thousand dollars. That never, ever happens. I hear a whole lot about, man, I wish I wouldn't have missed all my kids' games, or I wish I would have made it to anniversaries or birthdays, or spent time with my folks or my friends. This is where the regrets happen. We gotta be intentional. As an owner, there's four things I think you need to really think about. First is owning your culture. You don't have to execute it, but you need to own it and define it. Your key talent, because people are gonna be the secret to your growth. You need to hire them, you need to invest in them, you need to mentor and train them. Relationships with key customers, key vendors, external resources, you gotta own those relationships. And then you gotta own creation of business value. That's the haboos we see of owners that are really growing their company. They're focused on this stuff. Not the chaos of the day, not the customer that called to complain about something, not the vendor that says, well, how come you're late paying your invoice? They're focused on this stuff. They know how to use their time to be effective in growing. I want to challenge you, go out in the country, someplace where there are no people, with your car or your pickup, take one of those sun visor things that covers the windshield, put it up in there, block it, and then drive looking out the rearview mirror. And tell me how long it takes for you to go in the ditch. That's how we run our businesses a lot of times. We spend all our time looking at the stuff behind us, looking at P&Ls and balance sheets that tell us what happened last month, looking at problems that have already occurred. If we're gonna lead and grow, we gotta look out the windshield, which means we gotta know where we're going, we gotta have a plan to get there, and we gotta follow the road. Because if you don't drive your business, you'll be driven out of business. That's the reality. Next thing, we gotta be honest with ourselves and admit that we're the lid. Bottlenecks happen at the top. A lot of times we wanna to point to the people underneath us, but that's not where the problem is. The problem is at the top. And we've gotta be willing to admit it and fix it. Because we're on a journey, and that journey requires us as individuals to grow and to realize that we can't get there by ourselves. We have to invest in people, we have to bring them along, and our muscle and determination and willpower that may have got us to where we are today will not take us where we wanna to go tomorrow. So we've got to realize that we're the bottleneck that will stop growth in our company at some point, and we have to address that. Next thing is we can never forget we have to sell stuff. No matter where we're at in the organization, we have to be part of that process. We may not get paid to do it, but we're part of the sales organization. And we've gotta be part of that process. Well, thank you, Arlen, for sharing your experience and insights on building a profitable and 
productive precision farming legacy. One of the key takeaways from the program for me was his advice on creating a habu or highest and best use mantra. It's important to think about where you're going to invest your 168 hours each week to reach its highest and best use. And it may not be where you think. Some of the questions Sorensen said should be considered are, how are we going to address the changes in technology that's happening around us? And how are we going to address the change in generations that is going to totally revolutionize how marketing and buying happens? As Sorensen noted, leaders have to look into the future and bring the future into the present so they can start to plan for it. Those listeners who would like to see more of the presentation mentioned during the program today, please visit www.precisionfarmingdealer.com. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And I'd like to again recognize and thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for helping make this Precision Farming Dealer podcast series possible. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And another reminder to check out the brand new podcast series launched by our sister publication, Farm Equipment, with its first episode, Comp Programs to Move Used Equipment, Dealers Trade Best Practices. Again, the program features three top-level farm equipment dealers as they share their expertise for what works best to get the behaviors that dealers want and need from their salespeople relative to used equipment inventories. Again, you can check that out on www.farmequipment.com. And you can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on July 26th for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series, part two of Lessons Learned Creating a Lasting Precision Business Legacy. For Arlen Sorensen, Farmer's Edge, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.